Happy Monday, guys. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation that I got to have with my pal, Amir Talai. We got to work together on a film called Stuck back in 2016, and we're going to be talking about acting and passion and storytelling and really not giving into fear. And I feel that that's something that we could all uh, use a little more of, getting to live fearlessly on a daily basis, especially with the world the way it is right now. And uh, other than that, I hope you guys enjoy it. And please Remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. I love getting to see them, leave voice bites and all that good stuff. And um, you can hit me up on Twitter at S-U-A-L with H-M. That's S-U-A-L with H-M. And I'm excited for the guests that are going to be coming up soon and would love also your suggestions in terms of what you would like to hear more of, who you would like to hear from, and all that good stuff. Side note, guys, if you guys have any recommendations for hip pain and back pain, as I threw my back out a couple of days ago and recognized that I'm no longer a spring chicken, <laughs> um, that would be great. And without further ado, on with the show. I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just. Well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just. Please listen. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. (laughs) It'd just be weird if it was at the top (laughs) of the podcast. Well, we have you here. Something's on fire. I didn't want to be so cheesy and just say the roof. All right, we're we're gonna we're gonna do the best we can with what we have. I'm like, is it still going? Is it gonna stop? Okay. Fast because we are at sunset and vine. So. All right, and let's. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. I'm so excited for my guest today that um, I've been wanting to have on this show for quite some time. And I mean, you guys probably know him from the hundreds of commercials he's done or... um, My God, I'm blanking. This is why you need notes. Harold and Kumar. Um... voiceover actor we were in a film together called stuck shameless plug um la to vegas you're pretty much doing what people on the street do when they run into me they're like oh you you are wearing a thing but i know you i mean you've been doing this such a long time and and you've done so much amir talai welcome hi welcome thanks for having me how are you i am pretty good you know i'm above ground so every day above ground is a good day right I mean, depending. That's the well, compared to the alternative, right? Well, I mean, I I would prefer to be underground if there was a nuclear explosion. Oh, okay. Some kind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess that's possible. I I I'm I'm finding more and more that I'm quite the literalist. <laughs> yeah. So when I hear things like uh-huh. "oh above ground," I'm like, yeah, but there's some place. There's sometimes that being below ground is actually preferable. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Sure. 
<laughs> so you're above ground, you're yes. alive, things are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, under the circumstances, sure. Yeah. Right, the world is burning, but you know, we're we're doing what we can. Yeah, so much so that we we had to wait five minutes for fire trucks to stop their sirens. The right. world is blown. Uh, Literally, the world is so burning. Much. Again, Heather the literalist. <laughs> Sometimes it works to my benefit. Oh, okay. So I was, as I try to do, to take this podcast seriously and the guests that come on seriously. I would hope so. Um, so your parents emigrated here from Iran in the 70s, correct? Uh, yes, early 70s. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I'm like, let's just dive in. Okay, great. So... I read that it, you essentially, you had spoken about having two different lives almost growing up, that there was like the life that you had during the week when you were going to school and mm -hmm. then the life that you would have on the weekends. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. I, I, I'm not sure where you read that. And I, I remember saying that, but, but, but I think looking back, um, it was it was more sort of moment to moment than, than that. Um, uh, it wasn't so much, you know, like, a like a custody situation, five days on, two days off. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that growing up in San Francisco, uh, there, I, um, I don't think I came into contact with anyone who sort of understood what, uh, Iranian meant who Persian people were. And so, uh, at school in like sports, uh, in like acting, you know, theater and stuff like that. I think there was just a sense that like, uh, that we didn't see color, you know, um, because people sort of didn't know what to make of me anyway. Um, and then when I hung out with my parents or my parents' friends, you know, all of whom, were Iranian, um, then we would be, you know, uh, uh, all the grownups would be speaking Persian, um, you know, eating Persian. We'd go on these like group tr camping trips together. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was definitely sort of two very different sides of me and it, it, my experience. Where did you go camping? Went up like Mendocino, like Northern, Northern California. Okay. Yeah. It was like a two hour drive. It was like car camping. Yeah. But um but it was like it was probably like my dad and like 10 of his Persian friends, randomly all of their white wives, um and then all of their mixed kids and then uh my family which is 100% Persian. <laughs> and uh yeah, we just hung out and like uh the guys did all the cooking, like the 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 Persian guys did all the cooking and um it was great fun. That was that, awesome. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, it was awesome. That sounds like an absolute blast. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I, I want to go camping <laughs> with with your family and and ten other couples. It was a it was a really interesting experience, like looking back to to think of like how sort of blended it was. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm I'm serious when I say that like all of my dad's Persian friends married American women. Um, and all of those men came over here around the same time in the sort of like 60s and early 70s. Yeah. Um, and they were all buds. Um, they like grew up together in sort of like Napa and San Francisco. Not grew up together, but sort of came up together yeah. in Napa and San Francisco. Um, and met all these American women, married them. And like, you know, to this day, they're all still like friends. And it's like, it's this like sort of mini community within the larger Persian community in the Bay Area. That's beautiful. Yeah, That's... and it, we you know we would we would speak English um, uh, on these camping trips, uh, but then like eat Persian, um, you know, and then and then there's like the conversations between some of the guys sometimes would be just in in Persian, and and uh, it was just really cool, you know. All the kids were friends, you know. There was a sort of a probably a ten year age range between all of the kids, but we were all just sort of all hanging out together, um, and it was great. And do you still speak to the, the to those, those kids? kids to... Um, I think like mostly just through Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what and what was it like for you then growing up in San Francisco at that time period? I know that you got <clears throat> your start primarily in theater. Yeah. 
down there, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was doing theater from like middle school on. And then when I graduated from college, which was in the Bay Area, still doing theater up there and then just supplementing it with little sort of like voiceover jobs or little commercials, but mostly like mostly making my living in theater um, until that was sort of unsustainable because yeah. there just aren't enough theater jobs. So then I had to move down here. Um, yeah. And, and did you, did you, do you have a preference? Because I, I mean, I remember that when we were shooting Stuck, you were also in the middle of doing a play. It wasn't Annie. It was. No, it was the Fantastics. The, that's right. At the Fantastic Playhouse. Yes. Um, I would say probably my preference at this point, it, if you're asking me today, it's mm -hmm. theater. Um, I don't get the chance to do it much uh, because there still aren't that many roles for Middle Eastern people in theater, unless you're talking about like the Middle Eastern play that the regional theater puts on of like, oh, you know, we're going to have five shows that are all white people and then a show that deals with the Iraq war. And then it's like, oh, great. So, you know, we explore that. Um, but, but more and more uh, theaters are, are getting uh, creative or I should say open-minded um, about about casting. So like I have an audition for a, for just a, 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 a white guy in a play that, that takes place in like 1900 next week, which I'm stoked about. Um, but the reason I, I, I like theater more is that I'm, I'm sort of, I just miss the acting of mm. theater. You know what I mean? I, I feel like in film and TV, the vast majority of people are not acting. Um, the mass, vast majority of what you do is not acting, right? Like, like um, on LA to Vegas, I had probably like four to eight lines per episode, um, which don't get me wrong, it was a fun job. And I enjoyed being with Dylan McDermott. Like he was a fantastic person to like pal around with. But, but the majority of my career is, has been spent standing near famous white people like Dylan McDermott. And, um, and, uh, I'm fortunate. Uh, I'm, I'm very privileged to have gotten to where I've gotten in my career and to been able to spend great time with people like him. And I did a movie with like Laura Dern and Scarlett Johansson. And that was like ridiculous, like so cool. Uh, but I spent the majority of my time on screen sitting near them silently. Um, and even if you look at like Avengers, right? Like the sort of biggest movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'd call much of what they're doing acting. You know what I mean? It's like action, scream, cut, right? Like that's not a scene. <laughs> so, um, so I, uh, you know, I just did a play uh, at the, at the LA fringe that was like a 45 minute play two people theater sat like 50 audience members and i was like oh i actually get to act i get to talk and listen and be and like this is what acting is so i'm i'm sort of transitioning in my career i feel like where i'm where i'm really seeing stuff like commercials stuff like movies where i stand near famous white people uh as sort of my day job, right? The way that I make money, which I'm very, again, very lucky mm -hmm. to. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not bragging to say most actors would like to have a career as, as, as successful as mine. And I'm grateful for all, everything that I've been given. But, um, but I, but I, I'm more interested in using the money that I make off of commercials and stuff to allow me to do a play for 50 people that feels truly fulfilling, like artistically and just mentally. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Of yeah. course, a hundred percent. It's yeah. and, and for you, when did that seed start to really grow in terms of getting to say, Okay, well, doing commercials, doing films, 
I'm this isn't really giving me any satisfaction anymore yeah. in the way that acting traditionally has been. I would say like over the last like year, six months to a year. And I, and I really hit a moment in the spring when I got an audition for the role of uh, Jordy the waiter on a, on a comedy. Um, and it was, it said Jordy the waiter, formerly known as waiter. And I was like, I was like, listen, work is work and that's all nice, but I, I feel like I've gotten to the place in my career where like I shouldn't be auditioning for the role of waiter. Yes. Um, and I was like, would they, would they consider just sort of like looking at my reel and my resume and realizing that I can play a fucking waiter? And they're like, they really like to see people in the room. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't think I can do that. Like, I just don't, Yeah. I'm just not interested. Yeah. And, 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 the thing is, it's not about like being above things because I've I've been struggling with this. Like, what does that what does it mean that I don't want to do that anymore? And it's just that it's just that. Well, I don't want to put out into the world that like I would be excited to play a waiter. Like, I don't want to walk into a room and say, "Will you please give me the role of waiter?" Now that being said, were they to turn around and say, "We will give you the role of waiter." which comes with three to $5,000, then I would accept that. Absolutely. Right? And and it's weird to think that like, well then, well, well why don't you just audition for it, Amir? Because you're not getting paid to audition. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I just, and I don't want to sort of like, the, the, the work that goes into preparing and caring and driving mm -hmm. and putting yourself in front of people. Yes. That, that takes a toll. It's not a huge toll, but it adds up. Well, yes. And that's, that's the <laughs> thing is that payment is not always quote unquote monetary. Uh -huh. You know, there are many different forms of payment, yeah. paying with energy, paying with time, yeah. paying with commitment, paying, you know, all of it. Yeah. Um, and so what, so you get this audition you read it. Mm -hmm. What is the first feeling that you have? Like, has has this been a feeling that has been steadily growing? I.e., I'm because I'm sure that even though you and I are very different, mm -hmm. you know, um, I feel that there there is some similarity in terms of how each one of us is viewed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. <clears throat> not the typical quote-unquote aesthetic mm -hmm. you know there there is a sense of quote-unquote for lack of a better term otherness sure um uniqueness sure for whatever for, for lack a multitude of, of reasons yeah sure uh, and so how many times have you had the experience of of getting an audition for something like gordy the waiter yeah and taking the bit in the teeth yeah. and saying yes. Cause I know for me, I've definitely compromised self uh -huh. and said yes to going in on auditions for things that I literally had to hold back tears <laughs> because of the internal chatter that I, I feel yeah. in part comes from the agents or managers or just the public at large in that sense of, you should be grateful and ba 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 Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think that in the past, I, I, uh, I took a very sort of mercenary approach to auditioning and thought, um, none of this matters, mm -hmm. right? Like, this is all just a business. So whether you're auditioning for um, you know, a, 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 a massive role in a movie or a small role in a massive movie or a small role in a, you know, sitcom on Nickelodeon for children, mm -hmm. right? It's all just one business. Yeah. And the point is to meet as many people as possible and make as much money as possible. Pay your mortgage. Um, and uh, And I think that that's, a healthy way to look at it. Yeah. I, I think that if you can take that view, 
fucking good for you. And honestly, good for me. It worked for me yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. But but what happened was I, I started to feel like um, that idea of none of this matters, that was that was uh, 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 eating away at me. Mm. And I was like, I, but I want it to matter. Yeah. And if it doesn't matter, I want to pay more attention to something that does. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And so, and so now, you know, if I do fewer waiter roles, fewer, you know, sort of whatever movies, um, and I have to supplement that some other way, I'll figure that out. Or if I have to just cut corners in my personal life and save scrounge money, I'll do that. But like, but, um, you know, or this play that I'm trying out for, which is so exciting, you know, it works for two months in Arizona and pays, um, you know, 900 bucks a week, yeah. which is, which is pretty good for theater. Um, but it's nothing when you consider the fact that a commercial would pay me $10,000 for one commercial, yeah. you know, um, for a day or two of work. Yeah. I mean, it's yes. Very. It, it varies. Yeah. <laughs> right. It varies. Um, so, you know, so I'll, I'll just go do that and then figure it out. That must be, does it feel liberating to you? Did, did, um, a little bit. Yes. Um, it also feels scary. You know, I, I think this is very new to me. Yeah. The, uh, uh, deciding that I'm going to sort of like pay attention to sort of what matters in that way. Um, and the idea that I'm, you know, also right now it's really slow. I'm not getting a lot of auditions. Um, and so I, I can see right around the corner that one's going to come up and I'm, it'll be my first audition in like a month. And I'll be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go. <laughs> but but I'm, I, you know, I want to try and stay sort of true to myself and be like, okay, no, I'm going to turn this down. I have decided this is not what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I mean, it just hurts too much. It, it's, it's for, we're in a business that, that completely lacks principles and completely lacks integrity. And so yeah, I, mean, I, I think all businesses do. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I, I guess. But then I, I think of, you know, Dr. Bronner's company oh, yeah, um, sure. <clears throat> and the, the CEO of that company who is, is, you know, I have not met him personally, but I, I, I had heard him on a podcast and I subsequently then did research and, and was like, and, and that's why he sticks out in my mind as, as somebody yeah. who's unique in terms of. But he owns one company. Yeah. His business, yeah. the shampoo body soap business yes. as a whole, yes. is just as yes. soulless that is, that is fair. as Hollywood. That is, that is absolutely, absolutely fair. Just the same way that within Hollywood, yeah. there's people who are doing beautiful, incredible work, uh, important. Uh, 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 a world-changing yes. work, you know, yes. like Ava DuVernay, right? Yes. She works in a terrible, soulless business. Yes. But in her world, she's doing amazing shit that is good for the world. And so I guess then that 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 goes to that bigger question because I, I I feel as though, and and maybe it's, it's, I don't know how I could have any naivete left, you know, but for me growing up, and, and tell me if this is true for you, like movies changed my life. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's one of the reasons that obviously I desired to become an actor. It wasn't even a want, it was I do that. Yeah. that I will be doing that. Right. It's not a question. Because I, I recognized and I understood before I even had the vocabulary to express it that there was and is and always will be an inherent need to connect with others mm -hmm. in that way through story. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and I was unaware of the soul sucking business aspect of this industry yeah. Until I was in my like late teens, yeah, early twenties, yeah. Um, so on one hand, I was fortunate, and on another hand, I, I wasn't because I, I wish. Well, is that true? 
I, I learned everything exactly as I needed to learn it when I needed to learn it. Yeah. I, I don't like saying I wish I could have, because I love where I am and who I am now. Um, but just thinking when you were talking about those little pockets, like Ava's pocket, my pocket, your pocket, mm-hmm. what we bring, mm-hmm. you know, the light we bring. Yeah. The truth we bring. Um, that has to, I feel in some way, have some influence on our business as a whole. Cause yeah. otherwise, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, I think that that's the, um, that's the mission that all of us who, uh, have the privilege to be able to do it are on, right? Uh, bring bring light to as many people as you can in whatever ways work for you, right? Now, there's some people who, who don't have that privilege, right? Who are just like, um, I don't have any skills other than acting and my career isn't going great. So I will take any acting job I can you know, whether it's in an Ava DuVernay movie or, you know, a, 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 a movie, you know, produced by NRA TV. Right. <laughs> right. So I would hope that they wouldn't go that far. But um, but but so there's there's people who are struggling to survive. But I think that for people like us who have uh, a, a little more wiggle room. Right. I think it's incumbent on us to um, to pay attention uh, to be mindful and to try to operate in a way that is uh, uh, making the world better and sort of feeding our own souls, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and did you? Because we we all have lulls, yeah, in our careers. We all have ups and downs, ups and downs, hills and valleys. Do you remember the first time you had a valley in your career and and what that did to you, for you, when you got to then have that next, the next high, the next hill? Um, well, to be honest, I haven't had any valleys that caused me discomfort. Mm. Um, I've had valleys, I've had, I've had what I would call plateaus in between huge highs. Um, but, uh, but I think, I think for me, what it was is that I, I never expected those highs to last. And so I was comfortable sort of returning to those sort of middle plateaus, right? I I don't think I've ever gone um more than a few months without booking something That's you know awesome. whether it's a, a a big movie or a little commercial or yeah. a little tv show it's yeah. something right now obviously i booked a tv show on on uh, uh, cbs that i was getting paid like 25 grand a week for and that was a ridiculous high uh, but I, I had a sense that like this may not last forever so enjoy it and know that you know, some, something else is going to happen. Um, or I did, um, I did a movie called what to expect when you're expecting, which was basically just me and like all these amazing stars, uh, like JLo and Chris Rock and, 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 uh, Anna Kendrick and these amazing people. And, uh, and there was definitely a sense that like, Ooh, if this goes well, this could put me at a whole new level. Uh, and as it happens, the movie didn't do terribly well. Um, I think it was up against some crazy Superman movie um, or superhero movie. Um, and it did fine. But but it didn't. It didn't shoot me to the next level. Instead, I just sort of came back to sort of where I was before. But I've never been to a place where I'm like, fuck, it's been a while. What am I going to do? Um, but how did that but how did that feel? You know, the 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 hope like, do you let yourself have expectations or is it, I don't really want to have that many strong feelings about this just in case this doesn't actually go well? 
I think it's almost impossible not to have any expectations. Um, to have to fantasize, to dream. I mean, I think that's, you know, you have to, if you're in this business, right? Yeah. If, because, because the odds are so stacked against you that the only way you get through it is by having faith that you will beat the odds. Um, and so uh, every step of the way, you're just going, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have faith that I'm gonna continue to beat the odds. I'm beating the odds right now and I, have faith that I'm going to beat the odds tomorrow and that and going to keep that going. And, um, and yeah, like when I did the show for CBS, it was called the X list. Uh, when I did X list, you know, there was a sense of like, wow, they're, they're promoting the hell out of this. Like I could, what if I'm a mainstay on CBS for five years? Like, mm -hmm. what if, what if I have that kind of comfort? Of course you think about that. Um, but you know, it's the same, honestly, it's the same kind of hope that you have when you buy a lottery ticket, mm. which is that you buy the lottery ticket and you go, I, this is very unlikely, but you do think about the house. You do think about the private jet, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you, and you sure as shit check the numbers. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, yes. But when you don't win the lottery, <laughs> you don't get terribly upset but i feel that there is something to be said about you know especially for for bigger films yeah. right and all of this hype and sure. like the numbers this is gonna do so well Definitely. and there's there's this expectation that i feel is also almost like put in your lap yeah of it's not just a singular individual having a hope Mm -hmm. It's a whole entire crowd of people right. saying this is going to do well. Get ready. <laughs> ba, ba, ba. Be excited. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Why aren't you more excited? Yeah, sure. And uh, and then that that inevitable letdown where it's well didn't do as well as we thought. Like it makes me think of Judy Garland the year that she was nominated for A Star is Born. And she ended up losing to Grace Kelly. Mm -hmm. And she was in the hospital, just had her son. And there were cameras set up in her hospital room. Oh, God. Off the chance, because she was considered a shoo-in. Like, star is born? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Sid left everything she did. Brilliant, 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 brilliant work. And as soon as they found out that it was Grace Kelly and it wasn't Judy Garland, they packed up those cameras, yeah. they packed up those lights so quickly and yeah. got the hell out of there. You know, and it, it makes me think of like, it's such a perfect visual, I feel, for what we can experience in this business in terms of the success, the potential success of a film. And then when it doesn't go the way that they thought, um, everyone kind of leaves mm -hmm. and disperses and then you're like that room emptied out quick yeah you know so yeah. and that and especially when I I was younger was difficult for me to to receive and to contend with mm -hmm. because I I had had this idea of collaboration and unity with mm -hmm. like the studio and the publicists and like the director and the producers and the fellow co-stars and da, 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 it, there's it, it, it's it's almost like you lose your family in a way that and I'm not comparing it to actually losing one's family <laughs> um, to be very clear. But there, at least for me, there was like a, there were moments of having such huge letdowns. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what is our age difference? If you don't mind me I'm 42. asking. Okay. So I'm 36. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's a few years. Yeah. Um, but we're in the same, yeah. we're in the same um, bracket, the box. Sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> it's like I mean, in Hollywood terms, you're completely over the hill. 
I, I mean, I, <laughs> you know what? I'll say, I'll say this in Hollywood terms. I don't know that I ever will be over the hill, quote unquote, in uh-huh. this way. Uh-huh. Because I've never played the classic quote unquote uh, sure. ingenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a freedom I feel that I have yeah. that and I was just I was just um watching an interview that the the brilliant, ineffable uh Frances McDormand gave um the other night. And she was talking about the clear distinction between movie stars uh-huh. and actors who work in movies. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not a movie star. Right. I'm an actor who has gotten to consistently work in movies. And within that, getting the added benefit, which I didn't think when I was younger. And it's such an oxy fucking moron. Right. Like, I'm an actor. You know, like, yeah. the, the character in front of that word, like, character, actor versus, like... Sure. Well, isn't that what we're playing? <laughs> yeah. Characters? Isn't, isn't that our job? Right. Um... And so I, I, I'm grateful that I, I've almost bypassed that over the hill okay. thing. Cause yeah. I was, I wasn't fucking like young Leo DiCaprio, <laughs> sure, you know, know, in films yeah. and like right. whatever. And on top of that, I, I don't want to play. I, I, I never had a desire to play the quote unquote straight man mm-hmm. to someone else. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather steal a scene, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because I the, the, the because I'd I'd rather be known for my talent than my looks. Uh huh. You know. Um, yeah. And I feel that I'd love to be known for my looks. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't. But know. I think you're a very handsome man. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Uh, I think uh, I've I haven't seen too many Middle Eastern guys being known for their looks. And so I would love, I'd love to see that. Mm. Uh, I think, uh, and a lot of this is just bullshit that I've internalized, but there's, I've always had a sense of, well, you'll never be known for your looks. So get, so what's great is that you're funny. What's great is that you're talented. Yeah. What's great is that you're smart. Yeah. But obviously looking the way you look, Amir. uh, I understand what you know. And the, the number of auditions I get, where they're like character men only, expressive yeah. faces, yeah, not too handsome, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so I was, I, I, man, I would love to be just objectified and been like, well, you know, we had to cast him just because he's handsome. Well, we did have a sex scene in our movie <laughs> we together. Did. We, we we did, did play, we but it did was play a, a character couple. sex scene. I mean, it was it it, it was the most uncomfortable. It, I, a, yeah. I'm so grateful that you're okay. <laughs> I, I was so fucking worried it that- It did rip one of my favorite pairs of pants. I, I am sorry, Same. but I am not the producer of that film. So <laughs> talk to someone else about it. Um, <laughs> but I, I am sorry. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely got uh, nipped on the thigh with- with that just check out stuck it's the sex scene alone stuck. is check it out guys it's 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 worth it it's funny though i was talking to my wife about this and uh and you your know, wife nina yes who's also incredible and has an incredible travel podcast That's right that it's i would called l- get to the point podcast yes saving money no joke there you go you're gonna- nina you're welcome for that <laughs> plug <laughs> um yeah it's all about points and miles and learning how to travel for free so give it a listen uh, we're plugging her since I have nothing to plug. Um, but I was talking. Hopefully, well, hopefully this play. Hey, there you go. In Arizona. Yeah. Um, I was talking to her at, about um, about our love languages. Mm. And one of the things that we sort of came to was that, you know, I, I compliment her uh, 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 a lot. Uh, and sometimes I compliment her on her looks. Um, and uh, she was like, she was like, I... I appreciate that sort of in theory, but I want you to know that that doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't make me feel loved. Mm. And I was like, that's really interesting because like all I want is for someone to compliment me on my looks. And she's like, really? Like that just, and we talked about how a lot of that probably comes from our, our, our different upbringings, right? She has always been, uh, an attractive, uh, uh, 
girl and then woman, right? Like she was getting compliments on her looks starting from age 13. Um, and so very quickly she got to a place where like, I don't give a shit about this. I didn't earn my good looks. It's pointless, mm -hmm. right? Whereas me, I have almost never been complimented on my good looks. Um, whether that is because I had a fucking monobrow until age 15 or, <laughs> you know, or the, the fact that maybe people don't uh, always see Middle Eastern men as uh, as uh, sort of sex symbols, romantic leads, uh, you know, traditionally handsome. You know what I mean? Um, uh and so it's, it's, yeah. So, so, so I've actually said to my wife, like, I, I would love for you to objectify me more. Like, yeah, just like slap my ass walking around the apartment. Like that's cool. That's awesome. To oh, me. I love that. I'm into that. <laughs> and, and, and what other lang love language do you have? Do you like, is that the primary one? What is the secondary? I would say my, my primary one is, is, uh, is, um, physical affection. Mm. And then, uh, and then secondary is like words of kindness. Okay. Yeah. And hers is, uh, gifts and acts of service. Mm. Okay. And then what is the, there's one more, there's five. quality time, quality time. Yeah. That is the five love languages. If you haven't read it is a great book guys, man, we're just plugging all sorts of Pluggy shit plug. today. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a really, it is a really great book. My, my former therapist, had suggested that I read it years ago, which I did. And uh, I too, like you, definitely physical affection and and words of kindness. Mm. It's, and the way that I demonstrate, well, and I would throw in once in a while acts of service. Well, yeah, I mean, I think all people appreciate all, all five, five and and perform all five. Uh, the the tricky part is when you get into a relationship with someone whose strengths uh, or desires are different sort of languages than your own. Yeah. I think that's the, when people say relationships are hard work, I mm -hmm. honestly think that's the number one hardest thing is learning the other person's language if it's not your first or your second language. Yeah. And then I I would also add to that I feel like the evolution of my language has mm -hmm. the, 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 my my own language has changed, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that, I guess, is is also in part of of then getting to listen to my wife mm -hmm. and and there's a natural call and response, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and we have this thing additionally where. Because she, I mean, you know how they're like how they're produced, stuck, and and co-wrote it with um, Dave Mickel. I I always feel like I don't give him credit, and I desire to give him credit. Um, I'm talking about my wife, and I love my wife. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but we have this thing in in our relationship where it's very easy to be like, "I love you, love you too," right? Mm -hmm. And and taking a minute to say, receiving practice. Mm -hmm. and be like say it again I love you mm -hmm. and really taking that moment to receive mm -hmm. like to and it's that's where I feel I've 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 gotten to grow the most is in the receiving mm. like in the receiving which has allowed me then to um grow in in my capacity to give Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, absolutely. You know, and and so you and Nina have been together. We've been together for uh, twelve years, married for eight. Yeah, I love it. So you made it past seven year inch. That's right. Congratulations. Two seven year inches. Wow. <laughs> and and how has how has your relationship? you know, also help to shape you creatively, you know, cause I, at least for me, it, it, it's hard to, um, 
What is the word I'm looking for? It starts with a C. Compartmentalize. Um, <laughs> like if I sing it out. It <laughs> I like that. It's a good trick. But, but, but how, what has that evolution been like for you with, with your, within your relationship? Um, God, how has she helped me creatively? Well, you know, I've learned a lot from her. Um, uh, I, you know, obviously being my longest relationship of my life, um, I've learned a lot about how to coexist with someone else who is different in certain ways. Um, she's also taught me a, a lot about just sort of, uh, feminism and, and women in general, um, you know, uh, not just high key misogyny, but low key misogyny mm. and how it operates. Mm. Um, and so, uh, I think that, I think that, um, I think that you're a more creative person when you're more, uh, empathetic. Yes. I think they, I think that empathy leads uh, to creativity or at least to creative thinking. Mm. Um, that if, if you, if you, the, the more people you feel like you have an end to understanding, the more creative your thinking can be. Um, the more uh, sort of, options you see in the world, right? You're, you're less narrow minded. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you're sort of a seeker of understanding that the, the process of understanding someone has a creative element to it. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so just being with someone who, um, who has helped me see the world in uh, new ways, has just helped me grow as a person. Um, and it's also helped, you know, changed what I find interesting. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I no longer find, um, I, I, I'm, I'm more open than I used to be. Uh, um, God, uh, Oh fuck! I, this is terrible that I don't know this. But who sang "I Love Rock and Roll"? Is that Joan Jett? Pat, Joan Jett. Okay, I was about to say Pat Benatar, but I was like, that's wrong. I, 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 that song came on the radio the other day, and I, and I turned to her and I said, you know, I remember seeing this video when I was like thirteen or something, and I remember something deep inside me being upset that Joan Jett was not terribly feminine and seemed confident. <laughs> and I was like, and I was thinking about it. I was like, wow, what? That's, that's a long way. That's a long time ago. And a lot has happened since then. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, it, but it's fascinating because I couldn't have put my finger on it back then, obviously. Yeah. Right. But I just remember being like, mm, I don't like it. Yeah. You know, the, the little misogynistic 13 year old boy. Like I'm not mad at myself for being a misogynistic 13 yeah. year old yeah. because for goodness sake. But what was the thing that, <laughs> but, but my question is then what was the thing that you didn't like? I.E. What about her confidence scared you? God, f fuck if I know. I mean, I think it was just that like th that was probably sort of frowned upon generally. Mm. Right. And by, by society and probably still is mm. right. Mm. I think in 2019, if you're a woman who's not altogether feminine but confident, a big part of society hates you. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> right? oh, oh, I mean, yes. I, I literally just chopped off all of my hair two weeks ago, yeah. which was aside from my big boobs. <laughs> um, the, the most, fem the most feminine, feminine thing presenting about thing about. Yeah, it. yeah, sure. And and when I got rid of it. And and I will give credit where credit's due. Uh -huh. um, I'd been thinking about cutting my hair for quite some time and was continually met with 
from people in my life to people in the business, like agents and whoever, don't cut your hair. Your hair's beautiful. <laughs> your hair's beautiful. Don't cut it. Ba, ba, ba. And so I continually acquiesced and I take full responsibility because ultimately it was my choice. Yeah. But really kind of allowed other people to have that much power. And I was watching, I, I had already had a haircut scheduled to get a trim because I get my hair cut like once every year and a half because <laughs> I just don't give a shit. Uh-huh. Um, and I had my, I had it scheduled and Heather and I are watching a Brene Brown special on Netflix. Plug. And it, yes, another plug, Brene Brown, if you hear this, I really want you on my show. And I look forward to that. I'm putting that out into the ether, <laughs> into the waves of podcast listeners. Um, and she talked about just being in the arena of life and that you will fail. You will be bloodied. You just, and the willingness to be vulnerable, like vulnerability and courage are two sides of the same coin. It just was like, you know, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I want to cut it. I want to cut it all off. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hide anymore. I just want to be free. And so next day, there and sweet Boyd, another plug, Boyd's Place <laughs> in Los Angeles, if you want to get a really awesome haircut. Um, she's, she was like, all right, so like we're going to do a, a trim. And I was like, let's cut it all off. <laughs> and as soon as I did it and I walked outside, and, and this is something that I, I have to look at within self too, but there was an, an immediate sense of, A, I have no, I can't hide anymore. Uh-huh. Hair was a very wonderful place that I could hide. Yeah. I could hide behind it. Yeah. And it also, there was a softness, i.e. I was not threatening mm-hmm. to anybody. Mm-hmm. And and walking around and navigating the world for the first few days with this new experience on my head <laughs> was really kind of challenging, like really challenging because I saw the difference in how I was treated. Yeah. I mean, that's not a, a I, I've read more than one account yeah. f- from women who've chopped off their hair and said it like it was emotional. It changed the way they were treated. Yeah. Um, it changed the way they thought of themselves. It's yeah. so, uh, it's so remarkable. But I'm not hot. I eat. I'm like physically not hot. Oh, right. Anymore. I mean, I I <laughs> yeah. do consider myself. And it a hot is hot person. here, so it it's is nice. Hot I can't. Here. I can't imagine having all that. Um, but so yeah. So like, what I was like, uh, it's changed the way I look at art. Um. A lot of times I'll see something, I'll see a movie advertised and I'll go, oh, well, that's, that's not made for me. Mm. And I'll realize it's cause, oh, it's cause it's mostly women in it. Uh, and I, why did I think that? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then I'll go watch it and like it and be like, oh, okay, we're, we're breaking old, we're breaking centuries old habits. Oh, I mean, and that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? And here's the thing. It's like, you know, I, I must say you, you are constant. You're not somebody that just talks the talk to appear quote unquote woke or whatever the fuck, uh-huh. you know, you're, you're constant and consistent and, and are, always open to learning more and there is and and there's a humility that you possess which which i i really admire and and not a lot of well i don't want to say that it's it's gratifying for me to see individuals that are cisgendered males that are are willing to engage in the conscious evolution of self and society and and like thank you genuinely oh you know you're welcome 
<laughs> and 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 I I say that not from a place of groveling, but but really more just I see you. Yeah, you know, and and also, <clears throat> I'm like, hold on a second. Like as we said before this started you know dumpster fire of 2019 right <laughs> and everything that that is going on um and how we're in the middle of such a quote unquote call out culture mm-hmm. and and how easy it uh, and i i can definitely speak for myself in this have have had those moments of definitely tripping up and calling out whoever, uh-huh. <laughs> just calling out. Yeah. Um, and how do you, it, because I do feel that like we're all getting to continually learn and grow. Yeah how have you and how do you continue to learn and grow and and also set those boundaries if that makes sense what kind of boundaries i was with you until you talked about boundaries in the sense of <laughs> i am right in oh, a, do you know well, what I mean? Yeah. In that, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I think this all has to do th- 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 um, self-reflection, growth, and good acting are are um, live on a very similar wavelength for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get involved in a in a in a meaty script. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do is, um, and this is stuff that my my acting teacher Richard Side sort of uh, helped sort of develop. But I I I see myself as like one of those old stereo equalizers where there's like little knobs all along. Yeah. And uh, and in in the process of investigating the script, I go, oh, right here, I'm exactly like my character. But on this knob here. I'm like I'm at a seven, whereas the character is is at a six or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. right? All of that investigation into how sort of I'm different from my character mm. is very similar, I think, to the investigation that you do into yourself. Yes, right. Sort of uh, understanding um, w- what is making me th- think, what is making me hold this opinion at this moment. And for me, it's very fun to investigate uh, characters, whether those characters are characters of the script or the character is myself. So I, I actually really this this idea of being woke, um, in addition to it being sort of important to to be a, a a more progressive person and to and to have empathy with people, I also honestly enjoy it's fun for me it's fun for me to see someone walking down the street with a dress and a beard and in my head go oh that's weird i don't like that and then go why did that happen gotcha where did that come from gotcha who who said that yes (laughs) right Yes. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. A lot of times when I see gender queer people, something in my lizard brain goes, "That's not, that's not supposed to be like that." And then I go, "Wait a second, why the fuck does that matter?" Yeah. And in that moment, I sort of silently thank that person for opening my eyes to the idea that gender conformity is bullshit and pointless and misogynistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and and making that realization is the same way of making a sort of realization about a character, about going, oh, this character is, he's just a lot, he's, a, he's just got, got a lot more pent up anger than I do. 
But right? you, but you have to be honest, right? Not most people are willing to engage in self-reflection. Most people are yeah. not willing to engage in self-assessment and and looking into where and how they can grow. Yeah, and I think the reason for that is is uh, is probably just ego. And, and and so and, where so where did that willingness come from for you? I know you talked about. I, I I guess what it is is that like the idea that I'm wrong about something is okay. Like I can be wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not a statement of my uh, moral character. It's that I I held an incorrect belief. And, and at one point, that belief was that people shouldn't have a beard and a dress. That's an incorrect belief, yeah. right? And for me to go, oh, well, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And now I'm right. Yeah. Now I have a deeper understanding of what gender is yeah. and isn't. Yeah. And it's yeah. okay that I was wrong. Like, I guess, I, I guess I've never um, judged ignorance mm. as harshly as, as others do. Okay. I see. I, I I have a lot of empathy for people who are ignorant. Um, sometimes too much. Mm. Sometimes sometimes not not enough. Um, but um, but uh, but I feel like I feel like nobody wants to be ignorant. Um, maybe they do, but but I, but I but I feel like I feel like most people want to be good. Most people want to be good. They don't always know how, but but they want to be. And and I think that if you're ignorant, you um you just don't know how to be good. Right? Like I didn't know how to be good to that gender queer person. And then something in my brain flipped and I went, Ugh, acceptance. You know, conformity is bullshit. Mhm. Right, mm-hmm. I go. That's so much easier, mm-hmm. and now I can be better to this person. Mm-hmm. I, you know, kind. Yeah, kind. Yeah, and that's and it, 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 I am not. I feel like words like good and bad are judgments, mm-hmm. and and I reserve. I try to reserve th- those words for movies or books or yeah. TV shows. Yeah. But when it comes to I don't yeah, goodness is a word that makes me feel uncomfortable when talking about human beings. Kindness, though, is is a word that pops out. and so so here's why I use yeah. the word good. Yeah. I think that most people want to be good to each other. Not everyone believes that being kind is good at times. Some people believe that I should be cruel to you Mm -hmm. and that would be good for you because blah, 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 blah. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. I disagree with that across the board. Uh but, But I know that people... When they are being good, or when they are when they are having any kind of behavior, they believe they're being good. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And they that- may not f- fucking understand what kindness is at all. <laughs> and I wish that everyone had more desire to be kind, but I don't think it occurs to there. I, 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 there's too many people to whom it does not occur to be kind. Hmm. I mean. <laughs> this just makes me it it what what does it make me do it 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 makes me desire to be kinder i mean if if mm-hmm. getting to the bones about it mm-hmm. you know cuz i'm like i can life is heartbreaking mm-hmm. it is life is heartbreaking mm-hmm. you know i think that every single day that we even get up and put our feet on the floor and like sometimes like brushing your teeth is like the kindest thing you can do for yourself in a day. And that's it. Uh-huh. Just brush the teeth. Uh-huh. Don't even take a shower. Don't even put on deodorant. Like keep your sweatpants on all day and just watch TV and eat Cheetos. But you brushed your teeth. Mm-hmm. That was a kind act. Yeah. Um, and, 
yeah, it's it's. I'm like you've you've given me something to to go home and and oh. and, and think about and write about more. All right, just in terms of um, the difference between goodness and kindness uh-huh. and where where those intersect, yeah. how they might intersect. Yeah, you know, because um, I was raised Roman Catholic, aka filled with a ton of guilt and yeah. shame. Sure, you know, um, and and growing up being told. Well, you've got to be a good girl. Mm-hmm. Be a good girl. Well, what does being good mean? Right. And that very narrow, narrow-minded, yet yeah. packed full yeah. of all of these stipulations that would enable me to be good, look good mm-hmm. in the eyes of the church, in the eyes of God, mm-hmm. in the eyes of society. society yeah. And... Um, And I never understood how you could be an asshole <laughs> and, and be thought of as good, quote unquote, good, <laughs> right. as opposed to, well, what about just being kind right. and loving? Yeah. What about that? Yeah. It, it, it's never made sense to me. Right. Um, and on that, and, and yeah, I'm going to say like, on that note, I, I want to end here, okay. Just like on that on that message of kindness, um, and and you know, I appreciate every single person that comes on the show. I especially appreciate you getting to come on the show. Like My pleasure. Like thank you. My pleasure. I mean, you know, like will you come back? I would love to. Yay! <laughs> All right, and you you said that you have nothing to plug. I don't. Um, I'll plug Nina's podcast again. Get okay. to the point podcast. Saving and, money, no joke. And also Stuck, which I hear now is going to be on HBO. Oh, soon. are you serious? Yeah. Dope. Yes. Which means it'll be on HBO. It'll be on HBO On Demand. Yes. You don't have to just wait for it to show up. You yeah. can go to the HBO menu. So it'll be on HBO Go. Yeah. Right? And it's already on Amazon. Um, so, yeah. I I I love you. I'm grateful that um I get to have you in my life and thank you so much. My pleasure. All right.